And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at a familiar passage and then we're going to be talking about what it means to show mercy. So if you have your Bibles, you can open and read with me uh, John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11. It says this, early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And at once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the oldest, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for this passage this morning, God, and just putting this on my heart. And I pray now, God, that you would speak through me that you would help me and lead me to encourage all of us this morning who are present and those of us who are listening online, God, that you would uh, draw us to yourself, that you would speak truth. God, help us see your grace and your mercy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have ever heard this passage preached before? You've, you've read it most of you, if you've been in church your whole life, you're familiar with this passage, and so I'm not going to kind of go through all the details and the, and the you know the uh, the fine nuances, so to speak, um, new, not nuance, but the fine finer points of the passage. What I want to do is sort of kind of uh, briefly go over this passage and then get into uh, some main points I want to talk about this morning. So. We see that it was Jesus' custom to go into the temple and teach, and here we have this same picture. Jesus shows up to the temple, and he is teaching, and people, crowds are coming out in droves. They're sitting under his teaching, and then all of a sudden, these scribes, these Pharisees, bring a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Now, it says caught in the act. Now, you can be imaginative all you want. It was in the, in the moment, right? So they catch her, and she, she is brought before all of these people and they try to trap Jesus and say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law says that you should stone her. What do you say? Now if you read the Gospels, you'll understand and you'll see that time and time again, the Pharisees and the scribes, they tried to do what to Jesus? They tried to trap him, right? You remember the coin they brought to Jesus and said, you know, um, 
Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Right? And so they sort of put Jesus in this, what we call a catch-22, where if Jesus said, no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, then they would probably go tell on him and tell Pilate, tell the Roman governor, and, and guess what would happen? He'd get arrested for insurrection and all this stuff. Or he could say, yes, we should pay taxes, and then he would sort of, he might even, um, you know, bring about a riot because the Jews were... Um, sort of under oppression under under the Ro uh, Roman uh, under the Romes no under the Romans thank you like what the yeah it's under oppression and so uh, they they did not like the fact that they had to pay taxes that's why they hated tax collectors because they were the ones assigned to come and take away their taxes but what does Jesus say to them whose likeness is on the coin well Render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's. He totally flips the tables on them. And in this passage, this is what we see Jesus doing, right? Instead of answering them, they, they sort of, uh, he, he, he gives them this remark and it just totally turns the table on them. So he's in a catch-22 again, right? This woman caught in adultery, she is guilty, right? And, and by the law, she is condemned to death. She should die. That's the severity of, of what's taking place. And if Jesus were to say, yes, she should be stoned, go ahead and do it, then what would happen? Well, here's what would happen. They would go to Pilate and say that Jesus is trying to take the authority of Rome. And then he would be subjected to Pilate because only Rome could give that authority. Or he could say, no, she doesn't deserve that. And then Jesus would find himself going against the law of Moses. And so there was a catch-22 again. And what Jesus does in his infinite wisdom is he turns the tables. He who is without sin casts the first stone. And I, I love that phrase. When you break that phrase down, Jesus says this word, this word sin, right? It's, it's armatia in the Greek, and it literally means to miss the mark. How many of you students were with us a couple months back when we went and shot arrows at, uh, with Miss, um, Miss, Miss, yeah, Miss Terry? Anybody? Yeah, there she is back there, right? Miss Terry can attest to all of us, right, that, that we miss the mark, right? Uh, if there's a zombie apocalypse, don't take some of these students with you because... <laughs> I'm telling you, they couldn't hit the bronze out of a barn. Um, but this word, armatia, literally means to miss the mark, right? So there's a standard, there is a mark that all of us are called to hit. And because of sin, guess what? We have failed. We have missed the mark. And so Jesus turns this around on them and says, he who is without sin, he who has never failed, casts the stone. Now this word cast the stone, render the stone, it was referring to this stone that was used for execution. It was a big stone that they would use and this person would take it and they would execute the person who was condemned. Now whoever was doing the executing, they also were the ones that had um, to be uh, the witness, right? And so under the law, like this person who was a witness, they were the ones that were to cast the stone. And the person who was a witness was also uh, required to be without guilty of the same sin unless they found themselves under the same condemnation. So Jesus totally flips the tables and says, he who is without sin, you executor. And what happens? One by one, the stones begin to drop. Could you imagine that scene for the woman? 
She knows she's guilty. Never one, not once did she cry out, I'm innocent. She was caught in the act. Could you imagine sitting, standing before Jesus and the people around her ready to throw a stone, cast a stone, and all of a sudden, one by one, you start hearing those stones thud. And there she was, alone with the only one who had any right to condemn her. And what does Jesus say? <laughs> Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She looks around and they're gone. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I think about that passage and if I'm honest, there's a part of me that when I read scripture, I like to put myself in these passages and say, well, who am I in this passage? If I'm honest, I really want to be the crowd that was sitting under Jesus, right? The, the ones who came early and sat down with their Bibles and they were, you know, there and they were ready and they were willing to learn from Jesus. But that's really not the case. That's right. In fact, if I'm honest, sometimes I, I can resonate a lot with the scribes and the Pharisees bringing a stone ready, right? When I see someone wrong and in my mind, maybe, maybe condemning them. But if I'm honest, if I'm, I'm truly honest, then I'm the woman. I'm the one who was caught and he's guilty. And you see, there's so many times in, in my life, and, and I'm just going to assume in your life, that we don't see ourselves as this person, as this one who is condemned and who is a sinner, right, and stands under judgment before God. How many of you wake up and you like to eat cereal and be like, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm, a, I'm under judgment. Like, we don't think about that, right? Especially if we've been in church for a while because we've been in this mode of going to church and we're in the word, we're around believers, we're praying, we're doing all these things. And sometimes I think that we forget that we're just like this woman, condemned, apart from the grace of God. And it's only by his mercy that we are forgiven. The longer I'm in church, the longer I'm following Christ, there is a part of me that wants to be judgmental to the world around me. Think about everything that's going on right now, right? How many of you can honestly say that you've seen everything going on in our culture and our society and been like, man, they really need Jesus. They need his mercy. No, there's a part of me, there's a part of all of us that want to take this stone and say, they deserve this. And the truth is, we all deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus gives grace and he gives mercy. Not only that, but he gives this woman a new life. He tells her, go and sin no more. He sets a new way of living before this woman. And watch this. She went home justified. She went home with joy in her heart. And everyone else who was around, went home with what? <laughs> they 
feeling guilty, feeling ashamed. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is wicked above all things. Sick, who can understand it? How many of you would be honest this morning and say that that's you? You see, in my own life, I forget, apart from the grace of God, how wicked my own heart is. How wicked the, the depths of my heart really are. And you see, for me, it's like, I get in these modes where, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to church and I'm doing the right thing and I think that there must be something in me that now I have a, a, a way to bargain with God. You ever had something happen to you and you're like, why God? Have I not been going to church? Have I not been doing these things? Right? And, and so one of the things that happened with me, many of you know that when I got diagnosed with this liver disease, as I was walking out of Mayo, right, one of the first things that came to my mind was, God, haven't I been faithful? And the answer is no. No. Like, who do I, who, who am I, apart from the grace of God? Did God look at me and say, you know, Travis, I really think there's some good qualities in you. No. I, I am a sinner. I'm a wretch. In fact, if you want to you be a mature Christian, let me just give you some spiritual maturity 101. You ready for this? You are a wretch. I know you're like, well, I can't wait for this guy to move. <laughs> but that's the truth. You are a sinner, and in the depths of your heart, there is a, an innate um, natural thing that, that you want to rebel against your creator. There's no one in here who God looks on and says, that person's really swell. I'm going to save them and use their gifts. No. Apart from the grace of God, you stand condemned. This woman was condemned. She was guilty. And if you don't see yourself as this woman, then you don't understand the depths of your own depravity. You don't understand the magnitude of sin. You say, oh, well, I, be, I got saved when I was seven. Well, you were a little wretch then too. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to fire him. All right. But that's the truth. Like, we're born under sin. Like, we come out of the womb. My, my, my two-year-old daughter, Sadie Ruth Rayer, say hi to everyone. No, she's shy, right? Nobody taught her to hit her dad when she's in trouble. But she does multiple times. No, there is an, an eight thing in us. It's called sin. And so when I read this story, I think about, man, if I'm honest, that's me. And you, you see this woman, whenever she cries out, Jesus says, where are they? She says, no one, Lord, right? This word, Lord, she's literally saying, Jesus, I'm at your mercy. Here I am. Lord, do as you will. And what does Jesus do? He gives her the very thing that she doesn't deserve, mercy. Let me avert your attention to Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Paul writes to Titus and he says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Watch this. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. 
If you are in here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is only by his mercy. It's not by anything that you have done in righteousness. Isaiah says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. Look up the Greek for that. You can ask Brother Dave what that really means. It's disgusting. <laughs> but that's what we bring to God. And so I think about this passage, and I'm just like, man, how many times in my own life do I treat people like the scribes and the Pharisees? And I have to ask myself, am I merciful to people? Why? Because Jesus was merciful to me. When I didn't deserve grace, he gave me grace. When I didn't deserve mercy, he gave me mercy. And whenever you didn't deserve grace, he gave you grace. In fact, John 1.16 says, For by his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. You have been given mercy when you don't deserve it. How then can we as Christians withhold mercy to those around us? And I often wonder what would happen in the church if people like this woman caught in adultery came walking through our doors. What if a prostitute came to church next Sunday? Mm, how uncomfortable would that make you feel? Would you show mercy? What if a pro-abortionist you know, walked in, right? And, and they walked in with all their pro-abortion gear on, right? And they came and sat down in church. Would you show mercy? Do they deserve it? No. But neither do you. What if, and watch this, I know this is bad. What if a Democrat <laughs> came in this church? Uh-oh. Would you show mercy? And, and Jack's like, I don't know, that's a, that's a tough one back there. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say, yeah, up until that point I had him. He's gone now. <laughs> but I think there... Sometimes we have a disconnect between church, right, and our public life. Like, we, we know that in the church, yes, God can save the unsavable. God redeems those who are wretches, right, and all that. But then it's almost like we leave that in the church context, and then we go home into our own places, and we go to our neighborhoods and our workplaces, and we withhold mercy and, and grace to those around us. And that's not biblical Christianity, that's not what Christ does to us. What if Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to give you mercy today. I've gave it to you your whole life. You've ran out. He wouldn't be very merciful, would he? No. He gives us mercy and mercy. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, are we merciful? Because Jesus is merciful. Jesus healed the sick. He cared for the poor, the marginalized. He forgave the prostitutes, forgave the thieves, forgave the rebels, and even the murderers. In fact, some of his harshest words were not to those, they were to the hypocrites and the Pharisees and the scribes, those who thought they were better. And as Christians, we should be showing a world the mercy that has been given to us. Not because they deserve it, because they don't, 
but because we've been given mercy. Are you merciful? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Would people around you say that you're merciful, that you are quick to forgive? You show grace, you show mercy, even when people wrong you. I'll tell you this story. I've told it to the youth. So newsflash, right? I wasn't a Christian growing up. Um, I did my own thing. I believed in God, but I didn't follow him and trust in his ways. And I remember growing up, there was somebody in my life that I hated more than anyone I could ever, I can ever tell you. And it wasn't my parents or anything like that, right? It was this, this person who did my family wrong multiple times. He broke into my house twice, stole everything. I mean, completely, we got it all back, but he did it twice, right? He did things to a family member of mine that are just unspeakable. I, I hated this person. In fact, I, rem- I remember sitting on my bed at night and plotting how I can murder him to get away with it. And I, I'm not like, you know, I want to murder. I'm serious, like legit. I was thinking of ways I could find him and kill him. And if the opportunity would have came, I probably would have done it. I was a very angry person back then. Well, fast forward, 22 years old, I get saved, right? And uh, a couple months later, it's like the Lord pushes, pushes this on my heart that I needed to forgive him for all the things that he's done. And I did forgive him, right, in my mind and in my heart. And then something happened a few months later. I get a call from his brother, who I'm friends with, and he says that he's in the hospital and he's probably going to die. And, and in that moment, I was like, well, you know, man, I'll pray for him and all that. And then after I got off the phone, it was like the Lord pressed into my heart and said, you need to go visit him. <laughs> and that's where things got hard. I needed to go visit this person who did all of these things to me and my family? How could I ever forgive him? And it was like the Lord spoke these words so soft into my heart, because I have forgiven you much. You must forgive others. And I wrestled for two weeks with this. He didn't die, by the way. (laughs) Praise God, didn't die in two weeks because I didn't go. And I wrestled with this back and forth. I couldn't sleep at night because I was so convicted that I needed to go and pray for this man. And I finally did. I finally went, and I remember walking into the room, and he sees me, and he kind of lifts up, and I was like, hey, man, I just want to come and pray for you. And it's almost like he was weeping. He's like, please do. And I prayed for this man. I shared the gospel with him. He even had an interest in Jesus and wanted to know more about him. I went back and visited him multiple times. And, and through this process, man, God opened my eyes and showed me what mercy does to people. It completely changed his heart. To this day, he calls and he checks up. Hey, man, how are you doing? You doing okay? Like, he took an enemy and made him into a friend. And I think about that passage, and I think, man, that's exactly what God has done for me. The Bible says that we are enemies of God in our sin, in our rebellion. And what does he do? He shows mercy. He shows grace. And he draws us into himself, and we become children. I think about that story, and I think about, man, how many times in our lives... Do we not show mercy to people? In fact, even in this very church, there are some people that you would say that you don't even want to sit on the same row with. Are we showing mercy? Are we showing grace? 
And then you think about people coming into the church and seeing what's happening. What do you think is thinking? What do you think they're thinking about? There's so much division and so much hate and so many things happening, right? Have we forgotten the mercy that God has given us? Have we gotten to a place in our life that, that we, don't, we don't need that grace and forgiveness? Never. As I close, I want to encourage all of you, be merciful. Be merciful. Even, even when it goes against everything you can feel, think, be merciful because Jesus is merciful to you. In closing, I want to share this story to show you sort of the impact that mercy has. In the fourth century uh, AD uh, in Rome, there was a plague that broke out and it, it basically sent everyone out of Rome. Every, anyone who could leave Rome, they left Rome. You know who stayed behind? The Christians. They stayed behind, and all day long, as Eusebius, I forget, I can't even say his name, he recorded during this plague, he's a, a church historian, he says, all day long, some of the Christians tended to the dying and to their burial. Countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine, and they distributed bread to them all. And it says that all the Christian deeds were on the lips of Rome. You want to make an impact in this world? You want to make an impact in this church? Be merciful. Let me close with Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him with all gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Be merciful. Let's pray. Father God, we come and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for the years being here, being able to minister and and God, you have been faithful when I was not faithful. You have been merciful despite my sin. You have been gracious time and time again. And I pray, God, a blessing for the church of First Baptist Crawfordville, God, that you would lead them in your way everlasting. God, that you would 
you would help them be more merciful and show grace to one another and the world around them. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Yeah, thank you, Travis. That's a, that's a great sermon on total depravity. I hope you got that point, that there's nothing inside of you outside of Christ that would ever recommend you towards God. Uh, great, great, great sermon on mercy. Uh, it's, what, it's what brings us into relationship with the Lord, and it's what tempers <laughs> our relationship with the world is mercy. Um, so, good job, Travis. Maybe you're sitting out there this morning and you have never called upon the mercy of God in your life. Um, maybe you have that idea that, yeah, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person, right? That's prideful. Jesus tells us that. In matter of fact, in Luke 18 is another uh, passage that correlates so, so well with the one that you just read. My question about the one that he read was, what did they do with a the man? She was caught in the act, meaning the man was there. What happened to him? Anyway, um, so Jesus extends mercy to her. In Luke 18, two men go to the temple to pray. One is a publican, one is a tax collector. The, uh, and, uh, excuse me, one is a Pharisee and one is a publican, which is a tax collector. The Pharisee is standing there and he says, Lord, says he's praying to himself, I thank you that I am not like other men, like the unjust or swindlers or adulterers or like this publican who's standing nearby. He says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I have. He's checking those boxes. And this is a parable that it says in Luke that Jesus is telling because he knows that there are people in this crowd that he's talking to and there's people in this crowd right here that we're talking to that think more of themselves than they should in terms of spiritual matters. And so then Jesus turns to the publican and says, but the publican standing to the side, wouldn't, was, could not even lift his eyes to look up. Said he was beating his breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have you ever asked God to be merciful to you because of your sin? If you have not, you can do that today. And you don't have to come up here to do that. If there's something inside of you that's saying yes, I need to do that. Do it right now before God. Call out for his mercy. He'll meet you. He'll grant you that mercy. And as, and as, as Travis says, he'll make you a child of his. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, great question. Are you merciful to those around you? Why? Because Jesus has shown so much mercy to you. Are you merciful? Now, if you'd like to join, your, join our church, just ask that you come forward. Uh, Ruby and Lincoln are going to lead us in a song. You stand. If God is speaking to you this morning, I want you to come share with me. If you need to talk to Travis about something specific that he mentioned this morning, he'll talk to you. Whatever your needs and desires are this morning, spiritually, you come and share it with us. And just stand and sing now if you would.
Amen. Got uh, some uh, uh, Miss Myra now Jenkins. Y'all come on up here. This is uh, Tim. You got to come forward. Myra is coming from First Baptist Church of Gibsonton. Where is that? Near Tampa. Near Tampa. And uh, she just came up and she says, I want to join uh, the fellowship of this church. I want to join you guys. And we've been waiting for that. So, hey, hey, listen, uh, uh, if you agree with me that you'd love to have Miss Myra join us here and be part of our congregation, she knows the Lord and loves the Lord. And um, just raise your hand and say amen. amen. All right, you guys come up over here. We're going to social distance. Watch this. <laughs> there you go. All right, we have Tyler and Michelle and Thor and Thor. Give me a pound. Yeah, baby, you got it. You got it. Uh, they are currently, their membership is at Grace Baptist Church, just seven miles up the road. And they're coming to join us. If you don't know, Tyler, uh, today is Travis's last day. Okay. Uh, well, okay, there you go. Thank you, Travis and Megan. Yeah, it's their last day. But tomorrow is Tyler's first day as our student pastor. And so they're coming to join the church. We thought it might be a good idea if he was a member of the church, if he was going to be a student pastor here. So he's coming to join the church along with Michelle and uh, little Thorin. We just praise God for them. So if you, along uh, with me, are glad to see the, uh, the Pierces come and join our congregation, just raise your hand and say amen. amen. Fantastic. Now, y'all remember afterwards we've got to fill some stuff out. So thank you guys. Y'all find a seat. All right. Everybody else be seated for just a minute. Not, no, no, not. You're a big boy. You can hold her. Well, it has been uh, uh, a mixed emotion day for me because I've been working for, with Travis now for, I don't know, two and a quarter years or so and have grown to love him and his family. And um, Travis, I just want to say uh, that you've done a fantastic job. I'll, I'll tell you what brings me... Uh, um, I'm not sure the right word to use here. It's not comfort. I, it, there is a little comfort. There's a little peace. It lessens my anxiety knowing that I don't have to worry about what my student pastor is teaching the students. Can, do you understand what I'm saying? And I, I, I don't have to worry with Travis. And I'm confident already that I'm not going to... We've had too many talks, so we're on the same page in, in too many things. I'm confident I have that same assurance with Tyler that he's going to be teaching our students the Word of God. All right? So, Travis, just thank you so, so much for that. Now, we've got a little something. i tell you what. It is a little... Y'all go ahead and sit down so you can watch this. We've got something put together for you guys. Hi, Travis. Yo, Travis. Hey, hey, Travis. Hey, Travis. Thank you for everything you've done for this church and this community. Thank you, Cronin. Uh, pretty much you invited me to the church, and I'm glad I got to come and hear you talk about the Lord, our Savior. Um, I just wanted to thank you for everything that you've done, um, not for the just the youth, but all of us that are supposed to be adults, so to speak. Um, you've really invested in us, too, while we've been at the church. It's been a huge help in my Christian walk um, for that encouragement. It's your boy, DJ Blazing Rhino. I just want to say thank you, man, for just uh, everything that uh, you know, you've, uh, you've done for our youth, for this church, uh, for me and my life. Thank you for like investing in me when I didn't even know in like seventh grade when I was just in ISD every single day and I didn't know who you were and then you invited me to your church. I love you and thank you for um, 
talk to me so much. Alright, well, thank you, Travis, for being um, my youth pastor. Well, I just want to thank you for all the motivation, all the heart-touching moments that we've all had together. Thank you, Travis, for, um, you know, pouring into everybody, including myself, you know, I definitely learned a lot. I bought a couple of books from you, which I have yet to return. <laughs> uh, so you may or may not get those back. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay, hey, Travis. Uh, just want to say thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, being my person to talk to for everything. Um, I think I would join everybody in saying thank you for the time you spent. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Travis. Thank you. Thank you for everything, man. Try to make straight A's. <laughs> thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.